And then uh, when you get that, let's start making our way to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, 2005 was a long time ago. It was also the year that I began serving in youth ministry, almost uh, two decades of ministry that the Lord has used to teach me a lot of valuable lessons. And some of those lessons I was ready for and kind of expecting and Certainly some of those lessons I was, I was not, not so much ready for. But one lesson in particular was something that is really just still difficult for me to process. And that is this, that the certainty that no matter what, some people will fall away from the faith. Some people will turn away from following the Lord, no matter how hard you try, how much you pray for them, no matter what the circumstances are, it's, it's really inevitable and it's unavoidable and it's certain that some people will claim to follow Christ and then one day they will turn away from the faith. That is a truth that I absolutely was not, not ready for. Remember a student visiting our youth group all those years ago, and she was attending with, with a friend who had invited her, and maybe she was a junior or, or senior, some of the details are fuzzy, but I just remember her probably coming for more of the social part of youth group, like a lot of you do. But then one day she just began to pay attention a little bit more and started asking questions, and over a few more months was just really interested in the Bible and the gospel. And one Wednesday night, she let me know that she became a Christian. And I don't remember the circumstances exactly, but she moved or left for college or something, but almost a whole year had gone by. And then she posted something tragic on social media. And I'll spare you the details, but the gist of it was just that she was now claiming that, that God wasn't real and that Christianity was just a huge waste of time. And that was heartbreaking for me to, to read that. It was, I don't know, sad even now for me to still think about it all those years ago. But the reality is that that young teenage girl, she really, you know, she wasn't the first apostate. An apostate, you know, that's kind of a funny word, but it's a, it's a word that we use to describe who that young girl really was. It's a word that means uh, to renounce your faith or maybe a, a better way to think about it, like abandon the beliefs that you once had. That's what apostate means. That's what apostasy is about. You no longer believe what you once claimed to believe. And she wasn't the first. Actually, the Bible is full of apostates. Paul mentioned a couple even in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, two men, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And 
Another man named Demas, Paul will talk about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, maybe the most famous apostate that you know would be from Jesus' time, Judas Iscariot, one who got to walk with Jesus. He was with the Lord and sadly still walked away from the faith, got to witness the miracles and hear the teaching and and walk stride for stride with Christ and still chose to leave the faith. So what what is it about these guys? What, What happened? Why do they depart from the faith? The Bible gives us an example in the Old Testament, maybe a little bit of help here. Second Chronicles chapter 25, it talks of a king named Amaziah, and it says this in verse 1, Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And it says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but listen to this, yet not with a whole heart. And there's a bunch of details about Amaziah's life and some things he did as king. And it says this in verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 25, After Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Seir, and he set them up as his gods, and he worshipped them, making offerings to them. And the end of his story, King Amaziah's story, is captured at the end of that chapter, like most kings. And it just says this, that he turned away from following the Lord. Amaziah looked the part. Judas looked the part. The other men that that Paul mentioned, they looked the part too. So did that young teenager from all those Years ago, they looked the part. They did right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with a whole heart. They didn't really believe. They didn't really give their hearts to the Lord. And that's such a dangerous game to play. That's such a dangerous approach to to faith, playing the role and just looking the part, but not really giving your heart to the Lord. I think it's the first step on the road to becoming an apostate, to becoming someone who one day would say, there is no God, or to say, Jesus is a joke. Are you in danger of falling away from the faith? Are you playing the part? Are you someone who's in danger of renouncing God and abandoning the gospel? apostasy, it isn't a new thing, so how does God want us to think about it? This is the very next topic that God has for us in Paul's letter to Timothy. And I would give you a big idea of this. Abandoning the faith is a result of abandoning God's word. You could think of it this way. Leaving the faith is a result of leaving the word, rejecting the Bible, first step on a road that will leave you eventually walking away from the faith. Let's start in verse 1 of chapter 4 and see what God's word has for us this morning. It says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. 
paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by the hypocrisy of liars who've been seared in their own conscience, who forbid marriage, an advocate abstaining from foods which God created to be shared in with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. It may not seem like it, but Paul is really getting back to where he began his letter. He's back now talking about where he began. Chapter 1, Paul went straight at those pastors who really weren't pastors at all. They were not the kind of pastors that God wanted them to be. They didn't meet God's standard, not even close. The most dangerous part about them is that they didn't know God's word at all. And this whole letter is, it's very likely Paul's answer, his response to all the trouble that those false teachers, those false pastors had created. He was trying to sort out and help them see what was really right and what God really thought about some of those confusing things the false teachers were teaching. And really by those false teachers, those men there were leading people to become apostates, to become people who were going to abandon the faith. And I think that's helpful as we now come back to chapter 4 to understand where Paul is going to go next. And I want to split this up into just two parts. We'll call it first the source of apostasy, leaving the faith, that the source of that. What is it? Well, verse 1 says this, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith. The Holy Spirit, through Paul's letter here to the church, he explicitly says, that means this message is its clear, it's unmistakable, it's impossible to miss. There's really no other way to take this. And it's interesting there because it's also something that's ongoing. It's, it's continuous. This isn't a new message. It's not a one-time message. It's a message that the Holy Spirit had been giving over and over and over. And he continues to warn about. It's all over the Old Testament, this warning from the Holy Spirit. It's, it's all over the New Testament. Jesus talked about it in Matthew. Paul wrote about it in 2 Thessalonians. Peter and Jude wrote about it. John wrote about it. It was in his letters as well. It's not a new warning here in 1 Timothy because it's not a new thing. And there is an element of this that is really just unavoidable. There's a, a predictable pattern for this. Verse 1 says, the Spirit makes this clear, some will fall away. It's certain. The Spirit has been warning mankind over and over and over. I think it's good to maybe just pause for a second just to be clear this is a warning to those who don't believe. And that's a helpful, I think, really 
distinguishing comment. It's about those who know they don't believe. A warning to those who are very close to the truth but have no faith. And I know what you're thinking. How do I know if that's me? I don't want that to be me. Well, do you have a heart that Jesus described this way? Jesus giving sort of this parable of the soils, talking about different conditions of the heart, describes one this way, a heart like this. He says, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word or the gospel, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. They endure for a little while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word or the gospel, immediately, Jesus says, they fall away. You've come close to the truth. You're so close to the gospel, to salvation, but you leave it. You've heard it. You think it's true. You may say, this is great. I want to go to heaven. That's awesome. But at the first just sniff of trouble or tribulation or persecution that comes with being a Christian, Jesus says, you're gone. You're out. See ya. Not worth it. That's the heart of an apostate. That's someone who claims faith but doesn't actually have any. It's convenient faith. The moment it's costly, we just forget about it. Our pastor says an apostate is not someone struggling to believe, but one who willfully abandons the biblical faith they had once professed. So let me say it this way. This is a choice that someone makes. There's no one else to blame. Fall away makes it really clear that this is this person's willful choice. It's not like when your brother pushed you in the pool. This is you jumping in the pool. A willful choice to do this. And the Spirit says, verse 1, explicitly says that in later times, some will do this. They will choose to leave or fall away from the faith. And you may read verse 1 and think, well, that's designated for a later time, the end times. And it's true that much of the Bible's warnings around apostasy are centered around the very last days when people are going to be at their worst. That's true. However, last days or later times, that's a biblical description that also includes today, right now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, speaking of Jesus, it says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he presented himself or was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you. So since Jesus first appeared 2,000 years ago, we've been in the last days, the later times, the last times. That is right now, which is why we read the Holy Spirit's warning. We need to hear it and heed it. We need it. This is what we read in Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil heart or an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Hebrews 3.12, that's a huge warning. 
So how is it that someone might be so close to the truth and, you know, choose to reject it? How can someone turn their face away from eternal life and choose eternal death instead? Well, we learn from King Amaziah, it's a heart condition. It's a heart problem for sure. But here, Paul explains the source. Verse 1, they pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Paying attention, Paul uses that sort of combo four times in this letter. It's about letting something occupy your mind, become obsessed with something. In chapter 1, he, he gave the warning of the, giving the mind to myths and endless genealogies, and here he warns about the deceptive spirits. We can't cling to this doctrine of demons. We can't devote ourselves to that demonic teaching. That's how you fall away. And you might think, well, no, duh, demonic teaching, what is that? It's like we're talking about like witchcraft or I mean, what is doctrines of demons? I mean, what is that? It must be something so dark and evil. I don't even know where you would get something like that. But that's actually not it at all. It's, it's notice that word deceptive. It's something that's so close to the truth, but it's just a little bit off. It's a lie that's going to be so difficult to spot. And the problem is that you continually let this lie occupy your mind. And that lie is sourced in this deceitful spirit. It's the doctrine of demons. It's their lie that people believe. It's a theology intended to confuse. Its whole purpose is to mess you up to get you off the truth just a little bit. And these demons, they use false teachers and they use unqualified pastors. And these demons are going to use wicked and influential writers and speakers and leaders and professors. They're going to spread their lies that contradict and make you question the truths of Holy Scripture. And it's going to be so small. Their doctrine is to get you to doubt the word of God just a little bit. It isn't going to be an obvious evil doctrine, but its purpose is to get you to doubt what God has said. And that has always been the strategy. You can go right back to the garden. You can see how Satan tempted Eve. And it wasn't just to eat the fruit and disobey God. It was to create doubt in what God had said. In the very word of God himself. To doubt his truthfulness. People fall away because they listen to and they expose their mind to something that contradicts the word of God just a little bit. And to do that, it's not only dangerous, but Paul here says something that we need to remember. This is something that has its source in demons. It's taught by those who serve Satan. 
And it's dangerous because it ultimately puts your soul in jeopardy. Those doctrines might be so subtly different. They may appear to be similar with just a few small changes, a few minor details, but that is the strategy of the deceitfulness behind these doctrines. I learned about the one in 60 rule that pilots use. Um, If their pilots are, are flying towards a specific destination, and they get just one degree off. And I think one degree, we would all say, that's not that big a deal. One degree is so small. It's, it's hard to actually, to even see with the eye something that's off just one degree. It looks almost the same. But the one in 60 rule is helpful for them. If they get 60 miles away, and they're one, just one degree off, they'll actually be a whole mile off their target. And I think we would all say a mile's a lot. Now, obviously, that's a rule that they use to help them get back on track and back on course, but that helps us see the point. To just be one degree off, it doesn't seem like a lot. But given enough time, we're going to be far, far away from where we intended to be, where we hoped to be. It it can become a massive deal after a while. So a reminder that we're in a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And reminded of what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul writes, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done so to stand firm. Stand therefore, having put on the belt of truth and the blessed, or breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All of those connected to the word of God. The armor is here. This is what we need. How badly we need to to cling to it every single day. So what's the source of apostasy? Well, Satan's demons and his doctrine. It's, It's so subtle, so deceptive, but hear me, it's so effective. As the Spirit warns us, some will fall away. Some will fall for the deceptiveness of that teaching. Let's just look quickly at this last part. We'll call number two the error of apostasy. The error of it. Verse two says, by the hypocrisy of liars, there's the teachers who who spread this demonic doctrine. It says, who have seared in their, who have been seared in their own conscience, who forbid marriage and they advocate abstaining from foods which God created to be shared in with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. 
We see again the, the human mouthpiece. They look the part. They seem good and they seem godly, but they are not. They don't serve God. They're seared in their conscience. They don't have that internal alarm that says what they're teaching, what they're doing is so wrong. It's been numbed and seared to the point where they don't feel bad about leading people away from the faith. They could care less about it, no remorse for it. And then verse 3 gives us this little snippet of what they were teaching. And, And you should recognize how deceitful it is. You don't expect it to be about marriage and food, but it's so subtle. Not getting married and abstaining from certain foods, there are benefits to both of those. The Bible actually speaks to both of those. And it's interesting because deception is there. The deception is there in verse 3. The teaching is as if those are necessary requirements from God that those are commandments to be obeyed, or even worse, that those would be necessary for salvation. That no one can be a Christian who's married, or you can't truly be a follower of Christ if you eat bacon. That's, that's so crazy. That self-denial, it's not biblical. It's not a commandment. It's not a requirement for salvation because there's no requirement for salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn it. That is a gift freely given by the grace of God. There's no amount of works we can do, no amount of suffering that we could ever endure to earn even one ounce of righteousness before God. That's a works-based salvation and a total lie. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. In Ephesians 2 makes that so clear. It's the gift. It's the gift of God. And verse 3 goes on. God created these to be shared in with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing's to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. Sanctified by the word of God and, and prayer. This, this is the error. There's been a rejection from God's word, a departure from the truth of the Bible. Genesis tells us all we need to know about marriage and food. God created both, and God said they're both very good. For the believer, everything is for our joy and for God's glory. That's why a Christian longs to thank God, to praise him for the goodness in their life. Family and food, kind of two obvious ones. That's why your parents want to pray before every meal. It's not because it's just what we do, but because they genuinely want to thank Christ for the goodness in their life. It's for his glory. We're to receive it with thanksgiving, these good things, as verse 4 tells us to, and it's sanctified by the means of the word and prayer. What, what is that? It's just this. Believers know that everything in their life is not about them. They, they know that it's about Christ. It's about his glory. And the Bible helps us understand that. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever we do, whatever we say, even when we're eating, it's all to be honoring to the Lord. It's, it's, it's giving him glory for being such a good God. 
What an error it is to deny something that God says is good. We can make that connection in our mind. No wonder that the doctrine of demons is trying to minimize the glory of God. It's so subtle, but that's its purpose. Anything to just minimize God's glory one ounce would be something that they would want to do. Again, what an error to deny something that God says is good, something to purpose to draw you closer to him. That's the mistake. That's the error that apostasy makes. But apostasy is no joke. The doctrine of Satan, it's deceitful, and it will lead people away from the faith. This reality, it's not new, and it will continue to happen, and it's, it's horribly sad. Even as I think about you guys in this room, chances are so good that someone here will fall away from the faith. That you would be so close and yet turn away from the truth of the gospel that you've heard countless times. That you may even say, I do think it's true. But the problem is you haven't fully believed. You haven't given your heart fully to the Lord. Seems like so long ago, but I don't think I'll ever forget that feeling of knowing someone who chose to walk away from Christ and from his gospel. Someone that was was just totally duped by the deceitfulness of the doctrine of demons. I sent a letter to that young teen and all I could do was just beg her to reconsider, to try to help her understand the love of Christ, to try to help her understand that the truth of the gospel, it was still the same. Nothing had changed. Except one thing, she just needed to actually believe to know that what she once saw as truth was still true, that Jesus still died for her sin. She had believed a lie and she needed to come back to the truth and I told her that I was praying for her and would continue to. I have no idea where she's at today, but it reminds me of the reality of apostates. It's so sad. And I know it's not a fun message. I know this isn't a a positive sermon, but it's a warning that you need to hear even now. Don't let this be true of you. Give your whole heart to the Lord. Trust in him alone to save you from your sin and fill your mind with his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time this morning. God, a sobering reminder of the spiritual battle that all of us are in. A reminder that we have an enemy who is so deceptive He's so sneaky good and his doctrine seems so close to the truth.
Lord, but it's not the truth. Thank you for giving us your word that is truth. I pray that we would give our hearts to you and to your word. Lord, I pray for these young people who are on the the edge of salvation. Pray that their hearts would not be like you described in the parable of the soils. Lord, that their heart wouldn't be on the rocky bed, but would actually just be good soil, ready to receive the gospel. Lord, be honored and glorified today because of your word. Change hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.